What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Not After 30 podcast? Welcome back. Another week is in the books. Um, this is episode 166. Milky and memorabilia. I'm joined via technology by the man of the mustard. Yes, Mr. Milky Cabrera. Uh, we talk about sports memorabilia. Um, not that I'm an expert at it in any means, but I have been collecting for a long time. And Milky's kind of getting back into it for the first time, if that makes much sense. Um, we have a good talk. Bro out. It's all good. Um, yeah. And uh, more milk with the mustard and the rest of the mustard boys coming soon. You'll get that podcast hopefully on the 6th of every month. Okay. With that being said, on with the show. This is the Not After 30 Podcast. A podcast about reminiscing about your 20s while surviving your 30s. Now, it's time for the show. So the Not After 30 Podcast. 30 podcast damn we are joined via technology i got the milk man on the other side milky Cabrera, aka milk what's up baby how's it going got Good. milk anyone <laughs> got milk i love it um what's up dude so if you guys don't know milky is from the wow i have mustard podcast found right here on the not after 30 podcast network what's good baby Ah, same old shit, different day. Um, just enjoying uh, a regular Sunday. I mean, although it's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all, especially yeah. you, Anthony. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm just here chilling. What about you, sir? Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I had a nice Father's Day. I, I always try to play Father's Day down. I don't want it to be a thing. I don't want the girl, like I don't want my wife and then my, in the future my girls to put this ridiculous pressure on doing something out of this world for me and then having to, you know, do something again next year. So I'm always like really low key about it. My birthday is a week after father's day. So I get a lot of my gifts get tied in together. Like, Oh, you're going to get your real present next week kind of thing. <laughs> so I go with it. I don't, I don't lose too much sleep over it, but, um, yeah, man, just like I'm trying to avoid in this heat wave. I like for me, I don't know how you are, but like, I'm a big guy. I'm like six two, two hundred thirty six 236 pounds. And it's like, I get hot at like 22 degrees, so my house is usually between like 22 and 21 degrees. And when the weather like outside is right now, it's like 29, 30, 31 degrees. I I'm good for like a little bit, and then I get a little cranky. I don't know how are you with the heat. I hate the heat. I uh, I'm on your side uh, on this one. Um, I've always told everyone if I ever come into like a lump sum of money, I'm moving to Alaska. Because, uh, <laughs> I honestly, I can't, I can't take the heat, especially I, with the humidity on top. No, not for me. I don't even think you need to win the lottery to go to Alaska. I'm pretty sure, like, the cost of living, it's lower in Alaska than it is in in Burlington. Yeah, this is true. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to research that after we're <laughs> yeah. done here. <laughs> yeah. Wasting keep my keep in mind, like, Alaska, have you ever, have you ever watched that show on Netflix? I think it's called, like, uh winning the wilderness and it's about this old couple that had that hand built a lag log cabin in alaska and then their their goal is to give it to a couple just hand over the keys because they need to go into like elderly like they're not down for the challenge anymore <laughs> have you have you seen this show no i have all right okay get on it winning the wilderness it's all about alaska i mean it's a really good infomercial for alaska they don't tell you how crazy the winters are or how it's like one month of total darkness um, but they really do a good job selling it. The crazy thing is that there's no American contestants on it. They're all British, which is like, hold on, you're going to fly across the Atlantic. And out of all the places you could go, your goal is to go to Alaska. <laughs> all right, whatever, do you do you fam. That's, that's ludicrous. No, yeah, I am. Now I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So check it out. It's, it's an easy four part series. You could smash it, smash it tonight. It'd be easy. Oh, beautiful. All right, so I'm on the line with Melky. Of course, we're still trying to follow uh, the uh, the provincial guidelines, the global guidelines of social distancing. I'll tell you, Milkman, it is it pains me. I built this studio with my bare hands. I love having guests in. I love kind of flexing some of the things I have. It's like an intense bar now in the in the studio. I like flexing my bobblehead collection and my other sports slash music memorabilia. Um, 
and it kills me that I can't do that, coincides with the topic we're going over today, which is sports memorabilia. We've got to think of like a catchy title for the, this pod. But yeah, we'll, we have to, we'll come up with something. Yeah, man. But um, let's get into it. Like, I mean, we, we, we're big, both big sports fans. Um, I've been collecting throughout the years. I've been a serious collector for probably about nine years now. Um, you're, well, how would you kind of rank your collect collection collect collecting your collecting skills i don't know I don't <laughs> term we'll for it but we'll i'm trying it skills yeah um, go with it it seems simple i'm a i'm actually i'm a, i'm a novice that's uh, compared to you and a few other people i know i just i just recently started collecting last year mm-hmm. uh i've always been a big sports fan but it for whatever reason i would only collect jerseys and I just wouldn't get other things. I never thought to myself to get, you know, a signed baseball or Kawhi Leonard hitting uh, that I- iconic shot against the Sixers. Oh, yeah. I got two of those. Yeah. Like, um, or, you know, just random hats that, you know, commemorate uh, uh, Canadian sports uh, history. Like, I, it just it just dawned on me recently to start collecting. And then I've been inspired, too, by uh, my buddy Adam. Uh, my buddy Chris and uh, yourself recently as well. So. Yeah, we, we've actually bonded quite a bit with our sports memorabilia, uh, obsession, love, uh, addiction, whatever you want to call it. All of the above. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. No I think so. <laughs> well, uh, as per tradition on the Not After 30 podcast, what are you drinking? I need to know. Uh, you'll probably laugh at me, but, uh, I've been seeing the commercials for, uh, Coors Light Lime. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured I, I had to try it. Uh, so I went and bought a six yesterday and I bought MGD as well. And I went through the MGD, no problem. Uh, it's pretty good, but it's gotta be super cold. And for once the hot weather, pays dividends yeah cause, yeah because <laughs> that's when it's really good but since it's kind of cooled down it's it's mediocre all right all right um i'll tell you this i i almost never drink coors light but the marketing got me too and i was too tempted to try that uh coors the uh the orange one whatever the orange one is what are they yeah, called the slice one. yeah I and, think so. yeah so i was like okay i'm i'm just gonna get a loose can and I grabbed a loose can. I grabbed two because I have this weird OCD thing where I can't uh, I can't just buy like one of a of a beer that I'm trying. I always buy two. I always <laughs> buy it in pairs because a if I really like it, then or if I have like I, because I end up buying like three or four pairs of different beers. If I'm drinking with someone and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Try it. And I want to be like that hospitality comes out of me. And I'm like, oh, I, I had this one in case the situation happened. Uh, sounds crazy, but whatever. And uh, so I, I did buy that. And the other thing, I'm sure you've heard of this this craze that's taking over the world, the craze of the White Claw. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I know it all so, too well. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, now, in my head, when I when, if you were to tell me I've got this vodka seltzer, flavored seltzer drink, you're going to love it, my first intuition is, Okay, cool. Are we getting white girl wasted? Is that going to happen? <laughs> because like I feel like that is just like that is like the Rev or the Mike's Hard Lemonade or the Schmirnoff Ice. Like it is that category of like playtime drinkers, like not real drinkers who enjoy the taste of things, but just people that are escaping their horrible reality. <laughs> so it's actually accurate. <laughs> yes, that's actually the marketing behind it. Um, so yeah, so so. Long story short is my wife's been drinking those like it is water, which I guess it's mostly water, but she's a big fan of it. So we have a, a large stock in our house. And the other night I got a little too high and I had like two or three full flavored ales. Uh, like today I'm rocking the escarpment wheat from uh, Orange Snail Brewers, uh, Milton's own Orange Snail Brewers. And it's a summer wheat beer. It's it's full flavor. I like it. it it's nice. Um, but it's very full flavor. So I'm drinking like two or three of these and I'm like, I'm at the point of my buzz where even if I do wrong, I can't really do any wrong cause I'm just too good right now. So I go and I'm like, you know what? I, I've had a couple of these fuller beers. 
it's kind of weighing on me. I'm, I'm going to try that Coors Slice. So I, I crack it. And the reason why I brought up White Claw, because I took a sip of this beer and no joke, I had to double check the can that I wasn't drinking a White Claw because <laughs> it tastes like seltzer. And I was so dis- – like I, I was – like I was – cringing drinking it because it just it wasn't doing anything for me it wasn't hidden spot at all i just felt like i got served a drink or you go to like the fountain pop at like whatever taco bell or whatever and it's like the end of the syrup and you're like oh this is what pop tastes like without that sugary syrup uh yeah Yeah. it's watered down um yeah you're right at the end of that fountain drink oh yeah that brings back nightmares yeah. So it was I, that, when when you said the course, I was like, oh my god, the story. I, I I it took a long time to get there, but I'm glad I did. Yeah. No. Um. You know what? And I think you you probably enjoy the lime a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is what it, it. You know what? It, it's because you know when something new comes out, and then they just basically they they honeypot you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, try this. this is going to be great. You know, it's going to because course like let's face it, it's basically water. And then the end of that last beer in the can, and they just mix it together, and that's Coors Light. There you go. So. I, I've heard when I was in I was in Washington um, back in 2016. We were watching um, a baseball game. Actually, it was the most recent Max Scherzer no hitter. We were at that game. It's, it was kind of crazy, but um, there's a beer guy, and he was selling Coors Light. No, sorry, he wasn't selling Coors. He was what's the other one? Um, banquet? No, no, uh, it's not Coors. It's I think it's Miller Light. I think the I think they were like a Miller Beer Park or something like that. Okay, okay. So the guy in front of it, the guy, the the beer server, is you know he's kind of like a husky guy, full beard. At the time, I had like a very full, longish beard, and uh, my buddy next to me, or maybe someone around, I can't remember who asked the question, but someone said, "You got a Coors Light." And the guy looked at you and was like, no, we don't have any Rocky Rocky Mountain piss water. <laughs> and the whole section, we took a second to like look and be like, did he just say that? And then we just die. Like, okay, this guy's getting A, a tip. B, whatever he has, it's not as bad as Coors Light. So we'll be good with that. <laughs> yeah, man. So every time I think of Coors Light, I think of Rocky Mountain piss water. I think that's gonna happen to me too. Now that uh, now that you mention it, but yeah, that's perfect. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. But uh, okay, so let's get into it. So the goal was to talk about some sports memorabilia, kind of like what is the fascination behind it? Why do guys spend money on this stuff, and and is it worth it in the end? So uh, I'll I'll talk about my major collection. Like I'll talk about my major interest, and then I'm gonna ask you what your interest is, and we can kind of build build our our excuse of why we spend money on these things. So. My major collection is bobbleheads. I love collecting bobbleheads, although I, I've dwindled down my, my large collection because it was starting to consume me too much and the space. So um, my major collection is, is bobbleheads pertaining mostly to Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, out of all the teams out there, Toronto has probably the smallest bobblehead collection, and it's the most rare because you think about it, um, they, they give from ten to 20000 away but how many make it, how many break, all those things, it's not really, there's there's items you can buy, like you can buy these, but like they're stadium giveaways, so there's no crazy value to them, but I would say my my most expensive one is a uh, 2000 made, issued at spring training, Roy Halliday standing in the Sky Dome. I'm lucky enough to own two of them for another couple of days, I'm trading one off for another holy grail, uh, but that's my favorite one. It, it, the value of it's about six hundred dollars, so I'm pretty proud of that. That's amazing. A great Thanks, picture, man. by the way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the debate's out. But is he Toronto's best homegrown talent? You know, you think of Alomar, you think of Carter, Devo, all those guys from that team. There wasn't a whole bunch of homegrown talent on that team. Um, so when you look at like homegrown, drafted, groomed. Showtime, he, him, maybe Dave Steve, uh, Pat Hankins, like a tier two, Jimmy Keys, another tier two. And we'll, and we'll see what happens with some of these young guys coming up. Of course, Nate Pearson, I got a lot of stock in, but um, he's probably he's probably the top of the list for Jay's homegrown pitchers and maybe even stars. I mean, Delgado's up there. 
you know, as homegrown talents. But the Jays don't have like a, a, a sterling record of of um, drafting it and honing their own. Well, no, because they usually trade their draft picks, or it just doesn't pan out. Like an Alex Gonzalez. Alex uh, Gonzalez, yes. <laughs> I can't believe you brought that up, but you're 100 percent correct. Yeah, that was a disappointment. Yeah. So other other than other than um, bobbleheads for me, like I'm I'm collecting uh, signed baseballs. I don't know if I'm collecting collecting them, but I do have a, a small collection of baseballs, hockey pucks, um, and then I have some uh, some music memorabilia. And patches. I have like patches from like all these different sports clubs that I've been to. That's I probably probably uh, I collect a lot of liquor too. I collect like unique liquors, <laughs> like different liquor bottles and that kind of stuff. So you're you have a vast collection of a lot. You, you just... Yeah, it's like you know I, you know a lot of people told me I should invest my money, and I thought that was a good idea. I don't know why I didn't do it though. Because you're a giant sports fan, and this stuff is cooler than investing. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> All right, my man. So give it to me. Give me some of your collections, or even if you don't have a lot in it, but like, what's what's the goal? What do you aspire for? I I'm just inspired. Uh, I mean, I love sports. I'm a huge sports fanatic. Uh, I live and breathe pretty much every sport. You know, minus. Um, lawn bowling and yeah 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 you know wiffle ball and those sports but i just as a kid i i grew up watching sports that's all i did kept me out of trouble so i figured as an adult you know what way to you know commemorate and just appreciate the, you know the games that i love by collecting so it's again not a big collection i just really recently started getting some sentimental pieces like uh, my joe carter 93 signed World Series baseball. Mm-hmm. Very proud of that. Uh, it's, it's, I have some. I know you. I know you're not huge into the NFL, but I got some Dallas Cowboy memorabilia coming. Uh, I oh, you're the, a Cowboys fan too. I, I'm okay. Uh, Gooby is a huge Cowboys fan, but the reason why he pumps his chest out is because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and so he's not afraid. Oh. To. <laughs> So, so it's like a, a competition between you guys, like who's actually the bigger fan? Almost, almost, because he prides himself knowing or thinking that he knows more than I do, but he, he doesn't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not even close. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I, but I'm a really, I'm like the biggest Raptors fan you'll ever meet. I go to, like before COVID. I went to the, a game in February and. I was looking forward to going to another playoff game. I went to two last year. I was at um, the Philly game, game four, and I was at – or sorry, game two, and I was at the Milwaukee game game four where Kawhi dunked on Giannis. Oh, awesome. It was just a thing of beauty. So I went out and bought um, the game-winning shot in the Sixers series with Kawhi's autograph, and it's got three different uh, levels of the shot going in and then at the side it's got each time the ball hit the rim until oh yeah so it's a thing of beauty i got a signed um brad may um buffalo bills uh, autograph a picture that he came in i used to work uh in the optical world and he came in looking for glasses and uh in oakville and him and i just kind of you know started shooting the shit and he he was impressed that I knew some of his uh, his history, and he came with a big picture, signed it for me with my name and everything. And what? I, yeah, so I haven't. Are had you guys name. best friends now? Like that's that seems amazing. I I wouldn't say we're best friends, but he uh, he he came by himself the first time, and then he came six months later with his wife because he was he was impressed with the service, and he brought his wife and his wife bought a couple of pairs of glasses too so it was it was pretty cool it was a really good experience nice so my, so my collection is just growing i'm just trying to think of more more ways to add to it and um i'm definitely influenced by you because uh man you have quite the collection <laughs> i Thanks, must friend. say that's the exact reason why i got it just for someone to tell me that it looks cool um i know i know it does i know that doesn't sound good but the the point behind it is like i'm i'm, I'm quite i, I hmm, fuck I'm falling all over my words, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I always 
when I look for sports memorabilia, like I granted bobbleheads are common, signed baseballs are common, but I love uniqueness. So for me, it's like I, for example, I'm looking at this picture of Johnny Bauer that I, I got from Fo- Frozen Pond. And for those that don't know, Frozen Pond Pond is like a company that puts together sports memorabilia, but that they also uh, verify, make sure that they hold signings for people to sign. And um, right before Johnny Bauer died, I so I didn't know this, but I used to always see this old guy who who would walk in front of my in front of my salon. He would like walk. We had these big windows, and he he looked like an old guy. He was just missing like the old guy. Um, carriage like the buggy thing like the shopping cart yeah <laughs> and he's wearing like a poor boy hat and it had the leaf logo and you could tell it was old and i always see this guy and i would always like make this joke that he's, he's like mississauga's johnny bauer like he just kind of looked a little bit like johnny bauer not even a lot like a little bit like johnny bauer but he's such a small guy like, i didn't i didn't think too much of him and then i was talking with one of my clients and uh, he's he he told me that Johnny Bauer used to live in Medivell. Like he, he moved before he died before he went into like a long care facility. But, um, before he died, he was living in Medivell where my, where my work is. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I actually live on the same street. He lives on the other end of my street. And he got all his Johnny Bauer signed things for his son's stag that I went to. And I it was, I was shaking my head cause I should have bought it, but he had a Johnny Bauer paddle, like legit goalie stick and it was beautiful, like crisp, but it was in this style of those old wooden hockey sticks. And he had a, the best penmanship signed it. I should have bought it. I, it was so cheap. It was like $200. It would have been well worth it. But anyways, I'm s- staring at this Johnny Bauer photo that he signed before he died. And it's like taken. It's like the overhead view. You could see and it's so well lit. And it just looks amazing. And you can see like he's, he's saving uh, a deflection of a puck or something like that. But you see the, the old-timey net behind um, – and behind him, I guess, and it's all bird's eye. It looks, I think it's just an amazing photo, and I, I don't really see photos like that. So I'm like, all right, this isn't like your generic autographed, you know, leaf logo, generic, you know, found at Walmart, mass produced kind of piece. It's like a very unique photo, and I just thought that was like kind of special. So I'm always looking for like that uniqueness in, in my memorabilia. Uh, that's pretty cool. I always like when there's a story behind a, a piece of memorabilia or a a, a painting or you know a picture so that's pretty unique that you know i i feel like that's important right like um you know like some people may look may look at sports memorabilia as just like 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 remembering something in sport but like the like the way that we look at it guys like us look at it it is our art right it is our jackson pollock painting it is our you know uh, picasso piece like it, it those are very unique pieces that we're look like um, that we find appealing, stimulating. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm looking at my uh, my wall, and it's a masterpiece in my mind. And there's still more to come, so I can't wait. So, what, so when you think of collecting, when I think of collecting, I always think of like, do I see this having any sort of residual value in the future? I always think of that when, whenever I'm buying a piece or when I, whenever I'm, you know, intrigued by a piece, I'm always thinking that. What are you thinking when you're looking at new pieces to buy? Uh, uh, almost the same thing, uh, the value of it. Uh, also, if I can pass it on, if it's still going to have relevance uh, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, uh, you know, just – if, uh, yeah, just basically those two factors. Um, oh, and also if it, if it looks good, man, it's gotta be tasteful as well. But, yeah. I think uh, that's, that's pretty important too. <laughs> but, but yeah, pretty, that's pretty much it. Um, okay. So is, is, do you think you'll ever get to a point like, is your goal a, do you ever think you get to the point where you'll have enough to display to be ultra proud of? I don't think so. I think for me, it's never going to be enough because there's always going to be something out there that I'm going to covet or desire. And like, it's going to be endless for me. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with uh, this collection. But that's actually a great question. What do you, what do you think? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I, right now 
I'm I'm trying to put as much of it in the studio as possible, but I don't want the studio to look more cramped because it is a small space. I don't want it to be more cramped than it, it already feels. So it's hard not to put things on the wall and then make the room still feel big. So I, I'm actually at the point now where I've started to cut out the fluff of my collection, like the things that I might have held on to in th- in theory to use again later. I'm I'm getting I, I'm gonna try to keep my collection as lean as possible because the worst case scenario, and I've seen this a couple times, it's like guys who collect that are older than I am. Uh, I, I I once bought a bobblehead, Jason Spezza, Mississauga Ice Dog bobblehead <laughs> off bad. this. Yeah, right. So at, at the time, I mean, he was the biggest guy to come out of that that franchise. He might still be the biggest guy to come out of that franchise, although hard to argue with uh, Petra Angelo from uh, St. Louis, right? I, Defending Stanley yeah. Cup champion captain. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. But, anyways, um, and he 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 was a, I knew him by association because he was buddies with the father of one of my buddies, and I had heard of this guy and his sports collection and his Beetle collection. Um, and so we you know we talked for a long time about this bobblehead and other things and his music collection, and he he was trying to like pawn these Beetle prints off on me. He's like, you know, I can give you a really good deal. They they sell anywhere in the world for four hundred bucks. I'll give them to you for a hundred dollars each, and um, and you do with them what you want. But I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't justify it in my head. Like I just didn't see the residual value in it. And if this guy's trying to pawn it off at like a quarter of the price, th- there's obviously no value in them. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys who gets to the point where I'm getting older and I'm looking at all these things and it doesn't have the same value that I once put into it. So. That, I don't want to be that guy. So whenever I look at a collection, like this idea of collecting more signed baseballs, like, you know, some of the guys I have, I mean, mo- actually, you know what? Let me rephrase that. I'm just going to do a quick count. All the, all the signatures I have that I cherish are all iconic Blue Jays. Delgado, Alomar, Borders, Batista, Dwayne Ward, uh, Derek Bell. Like I've got, the, the, I mean, maybe not Derek Bell, but all these guys are like, named guys Derek uh, Bell was bigger later on though as with the killer bees so it's yeah still, still significant so, yes yeah, fair enough um so yeah I, I I never thought it was um like I guess um I, I those have like very high significant but maybe not financial gain mm-hmm. it's like a lot of significant um attachment to it that's not what the word I'm looking for sentimental value is what I'm actually thinking wow um so anyways I don't. I don't think those have like great residual value. But then I look at like my bobblehead collection, and it's insane. Like it's it's probably valued around three or four thousand dollars, which that's that's not like a big, you know, amazing thing that I'm trying to flaunt. I, it's a collection I I spend quite a bit of money and time on, but I don't even think of those like that's all like a collector's market, right? So. In 10 years, if people don't collect these anymore or they're not as popular as they are now, is there much re- residual value in that to me? So I don't know. I always try to pick things that I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna like in the long run because I don't want to be that old guy that's just trying to give it away on pennies on the dollar because I've lost my sentimental value. No, and that's fair. Um, you want to appreciate what you have too, and uh, I don't, I don't know what else. Um, if you're looking to pass it on to, you know, your daughters or any future uh, nieces, nephews, grandchildren. So I guess there's a lot to consider there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, the oh, and I've always I've I bought things off other collectors' kids that are like my dad passed away. Nobody wants these. We're just trying to get rid of them. I'm like, ugh. Like <laughs> you spend your whole life collecting. Like mm-hmm. so, I. You know what? This was a question I want to ask. Oh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna ask myself the question. I'm gonna answer, and then I'm gonna hand it over to you. Sure. But your first piece of sports memorabilia that you still have, and mine is mine is this Roberto Alomar sign ball that I remember my dad buying me probably the around probably the summer of '92, maybe '93. Uh, oh no, maybe '91 because it came with an All Star Game pitch uh, card. But regardless, it's a sign ball from my childhood hero Roberto Alomar. I've had that always. Slash, do you know what uh, the starting lineup figures are? Starting, no. Okay, so I mean, they came out a long time ago. They were made by Kenner. 
but they are um, they're like kind of like action poses of players. Oh wow! Okay. So so you know you know those McFarlane and like Dragon Import lookalike yeah. ones that are really like high detailed. These are the complete opposite of those, like <laughs> generic. Um, but whatever. I have like a George Bell starting figure that those are like the two pieces and the George Bell ones from 89. So those are like, the, I kept that from night. Like it's as old as my wife. It's 31 years old. I still have it. And, uh, I was just one of those pieces that I, I always kept in good condition. I was put on like the top shelf of my things because I never want anything bad to happen to it because it like meant so much to me as a kid. That, that's pretty unique. I, I didn't even know uh, those existed. So it's gotta be rare, rare of the rarest, right? Well, it's it's not uh, the the value of it. It's crazy because I, I looked them up online. The value of of, of them is is maybe less than ten bucks. There, there's a sentimental value that I've had this in my possession since like the age of um, I would have been like seven at the time. Uh, is that math right? That might uh, nine <laughs> seven. Yeah, yeah. Carry the two. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm that old. Next week I'm going to be even older too. But um, yeah, so so for me I. I mean, it, it's it's unique enough that I don't know of anybody else who has one. But even the guys who collect these ones, they don't have it. But it, that doesn't necessarily make it rare or valuable. It's just it's just not not because it's a Blue Jay thing, and it's only valuable in Toronto or the, or Blue Jay fans. But yeah. So, anyways, I, that's you might very long. I feel like I'm very long winded. Am I being? It cut me off if I am. No, not at all. I mean, this, you're going into d- detail, but it's in depth right so it's uh i i always show appreciation to other sports fanatic fans and uh, especially jays fans and that's a pretty cool feat like I, I never even heard of that like george bell's an icon whether totally and yeah. uh the fact that you have something like that that's that's a, that's pretty cool in my books at least thanks man i appreciate that um so so tell me what is your like first piece of memorabilia do you still have it what was okay, the so, significance okay so this is actually pretty pretty odd and i don't know if you'd consider it memorabilia uh but when i was a kid my mom she won this raffle and it was you were able to eat breakfast on the skydome field and, <laughs> That's awesome. yeah and this was after the 93 championship team so this is in 1994 and after you were done eating you were able to go up to the players that were on the team in 94 and get their autographs and take pictures. And basically you had, there was a, there was a time frame, obviously, but you were allowed to do almost whatever you wanted. So we, we were in line and we were at Joe Carter. And do you remember those old school camcorders back in the day where the, they had the giant light that would shine on you? Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom had one of those, and she had she loved recording us as kids, so she brought it with her, and she had the light right on on Joe Carter's face, and he he kept waving her like to, to you know cut the light, and she wasn't paying attention until <laughs> he until he looked and said he starts laughing. He's like, "Man, can you shut the light up? I'm blinded here," and she has it on 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 VHS and we still have it stashed away somewhere. So that's the first, that was the very first piece. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if you consider memorabilia, but it was one of the coolest days of my life. And I, I still remember like it happened yesterday. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. And then we, then we, we were able to get like his autograph, um, t- uh, Tony Fernandez, uh, Pat Borders, Ed Sprague. There, there was, there was a big list. It was, there was a huge T-shirt that we had, and they just—I didn't get Alomar's though because he had the longest lineup for obvious reasons. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were able to get like a bunch of their autographs, and uh, yeah, still have that T-shirt actually too to this day. So that was probably the starting point of my collecting. That is awesome. So okay, so you you still got those those six now? I still have the T-shirt, um, and I still have the VHS tape. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, do, do you have anything else? Like, do you have anything else? Like, what? Okay, other than that. Okay, so if that's your like longest or oldest yep. piece, and then would you, I? I guess sentimental value is probably pretty high, but like, what else for it works for you? Is it like just because you've had it forever? Like, ultra special moment, I'd say. 
I, I just think it was like a very special moment in my life because I was just a huge baseball fan. I, I you said Alomar was your hero. Alomar was my favorite player too. And I mean, I, I'm left-handed, so it was very awkward. But I, I forced myself to play second base just to be, <laughs> just to be like Robbie Alomar. Yeah. And so they moved me over to first and said, you know what, you're you're a lefty, which which yeah. is fair. Uh, it's a, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I can't argue with them there. It's it's worked out so. Uh, yeah, like this, just everything, sentimental value, just as a kid, you're on cloud nine, uh, seeing your heroes right, right up close and center. So I, it, I, I don't think anything else I ever collect, nothing will compare to that. I don't that think. is awesome. Yeah. I, I always think about like what other, I mean, other than assigned baseball, I mean, as a kid, especially a sports fan kid, having a signed baseball by, like, one of those top-tier favorite guys, I mean, is there anything better? Not at all. Not at all. Like, one of my newest pieces to my collection is a signed Vladdy Jr. baseball bat. Not game used, but it's a, it's still it's a baseball bat signed by Vladdy. And I got to tell you, I like it. It's a, it's a great piece. Um it's it's kind of intriguing me enough, but the market. So just in a nutshell, I, I won this in a raffle. I, I'm very like honored to have won it. I spent I think um, forty dollars in raffle tickets, uh, which isn't that that much. I think it's just two two spots. But the retail of something like this, if you were to buy it from J Shop, is seven hundred dollars. That's that's insane, and you paid forty bucks. I I, I put forty dollars in, in raffle tickets in, which I mean it sounds like an incredible deal, um, and it is it is. But for me, it's just uh, like when I think of the idea of collecting something that falls around the seven hundred dollar mark, mm-hmm. that is like that's a red flag to me because I just like I mean if Vladdy becomes maybe the the most most hits or you know one of the best run producer he has an incredible career like his father you know if he if he if he has that at the end of the day it might be all worth all worth it but i i, I can't see it now not a guy who's played you know two-thirds of his baseball season yeah but you know what uh for one you're as charlie sheen would say you're winning I don't care what anybody says <laughs> nice and, reference dude and, <laughs> and secondly this the talent on this kid like it sky's the limit for him so i think all in all you're going to come out winning regardless even if he doesn't set the record or you know has the most hits as a blue jay this kid can play and he's gonna do some sort of damage so i i i think uh you're you're on top on this one i i i I definitely see the value i I don't want to say that i don't want to degrade the value in that sense but I think it's for me justifying the the idea of seven like starting a collection where I mean you can you can get I mean you were telling me just earlier that uh, you know like a signed legit bat guy got it for twenty bucks I mean that's the you can find like I saw like a Chris Colabello signed bat and they couldn't sell it at fifty bucks yeah granted Colabello you know, was a flash in the pan, then got popped for PEDs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like his track record isn't great, but you're telling me that Pete Rose, who got kicked out of the baseball hall of fame, and he's one of the all time greatest hitters in baseball history. Um, they won't let he, like his stuff. You, I mean, cause he goes, he signs autographs every weekend. That's how he makes his bread and butter. He's, he goes and goes to conventions every weekend and he signs things. Actually now funny side note, cause I went to his big Pete Rose deep dive the other day, but, um, he, he now signs his autograph. Um, so Pete Rose in brackets, Charlie hustle, then in brackets, like all time MLB hit leader, all time played appearance, all time season leader, all those things. And then he, he does like 4,125 hits. These are all inscriptions on the ball. 4,126 hits, zero steroids. Hilarious. <laughs> but my point is, uh, like even Pete Rose stuff is pretty cheap because he, there's so many of his autographs around. 
You know, like Roy I, Halliday isn't signing any more autographs. Uh, for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons, right? But, you know, Pete Rose for the last 30 years has been signing his autograph. So his autograph, you can widely find it. So I think he adds these extra layers to it to kind of build up the mystique. Like guys who collect crazy collections are going to want to collect baseballs with like basically his handwritten resume on it or something you know like they're gonna be oh i got a pete rose from the 80s this is how he signs it then now in 2020 this is the way he signs it like there's gonna be guys i want to collect that kind of stuff so i think there'll still be a market for it but well what's going going talking about pete rose what's your stance on uh him uh, not being in the hall of fame uh yeah uh, so you know, one of the greatest hitters uh, what's your stance on that um my stance is he's probably paid the price by now. Baseball should let him in. And even um, ESPN did their own uh, investigation on his allegations. And uh, they, they, they came conclusive that he did bet on games, but he never bet on his team, which is, I, I guess, a silver lining on it. So if you're going to bust his chops for that, I mean, you know, like, come on. Like look at all like all the steroid guys. Like you need a you need a, um, a figure in history for baseball to kind of be like that Babe Ruth, that guy who you know beat the odds. Didn't like Charlie Hustle, aka Pete Rose. He was he was like a, one of the good guys. Yeah, he bet on games. He probably paid, played five years longer than he he probably needed to, but he also had insider information. But I don't know. My stance is it's been long enough. Let him back in. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't have said it any better. He's uh, he's an icon. <laughs> That's he's an icon. I said all the words. <laughs> I, yeah. I said all the words. He said everything. Uh, he's an icon. He's an icon, and the man could hit. Like look at Bar- I mean, look at Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Palmero, Canseco, Canseco. Like every everybody's either bet or done steroids. Uh, they juiced up. Like the man's uh, paid, beat their wives, they, you know, like they beat their wives. Exactly. Uh, you know, like tons of affairs. I mean, well, first of all, all those guys you named, those are all smashers, man. Those are all guys that hit the long ball. Mm-hmm. Pete Rose ended his career with less than 250 home runs, 22 year career. He was a contact guy. Oh yeah. He, the man could put the ball wherever he wanted in the, in the field. Right. And yeah, totally. And it's, it's just a shame. Like he, like you said, he's paid the price. Let's let the man in. Totally. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I didn't, I also, I, I went to this deep dive on him, but I didn't know. I mean, he, he's from Ohio. He, you know, he wanted to be a Cincinnati red. Uh, so he, he, he played in Cincinnati for a long time and he was a pretty big ego guy and legendary um, manager, Sparky Anderson. Uh, he knew that the, the previous coach tried to move him from third to first he started in the outfield, then he moved to third base because of injury, and then they wanted to move him to first, and he wasn't down for it. But they had, like, defensively, he wasn't great at third. So Sparky Anderson knew the previous manager that was in there tried to get him to move, couldn't get him to move. Uh, he was super stubborn, all those things. They ended up uh, firing that manager. They brought Sparky Anderson in. He knew, so he's like, hey, man, you want to win? We're going to win, but we're not going to win with you at third. I need you to move over. It's for the team. Convinced them. Uh, Pete Rose bought in, then they go on and they become the, um, the big red monster, the hitting machine. And they went on all that big tear, three seasons, um, two world series and three appearances. And then he went over and won a couple with, um, I think Pittsburgh afterwards, which is crazy that he went to Pittsburgh right after, but they offered him money. And then he played for the Expos for one season. And then he signed again with the the Cincinnati Reds after that and became a player manager, which is crazy. That's insane. I couldn't even imagine. I, I can't even do it in rec ball hockey. How much, <laughs> you know, like softball gives me a headache. So I can't even imagine oh, man. doing it at that level. Telling me about it. My, my, my softball squad, I, I hate when I have to do lineups and uh, no positions. I'm just like, I just want to go play. I, I, I always tell them, like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Just... Just go out there, man, and figure yeah. it out. You know, I my my team, we've been together a long time. We've had some movable parts, but we've been together a long time. My buddy, I have one buddy who's in charge. I, I used to do it. We, we bounced it around with a couple guys. I used to do it. But we've given it to, to Todd, a.k.a. Crop Top, who's been on the podcast before. And um, he's been doing a really good job, although sometimes he's, like, last minute scribbling down a lineup and that kind of thing. But 
for the most part, our team is like, okay, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch. You go play third. We, we, we got this. Yeah, well, my my team, we're a little uh, less organized. So if I don't have a structure, it's a, it's a little bit of chaos. So I, I, I find I have to end up making lineups, making positions. And it's a nightmare sometimes, but it's fun. Like uh, winning is fun and winning uh, cures everything, too. So it's true. Todd has a great quote. It's my all-time favorite sport cliche quote, which is, I hate losing more than I like winning. Bravo. I love it. Yeah, right? I'm in. I'm in. I like it. I think it's fun. Anyways. (laughs) All right. So let's get back into collection talk. We kind of drifted a little bit there. So that was my fault, people. Sorry. Yeah. Would, don't listen, man. I'm at my edibles at the point right now where I'm I'm kind of flying flying colors right now. Uh, the downside is I'll be easily distracted like a goldfish. So let's 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 get back into collections, okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, have you mentioned before? Have you mentioned in this podcast where you want your collection to go? Like what you want to see more of in your collection? Ah, uh, no, we haven't touched base on that okay. yet. That's a great question. I, I would just like, uh, like I said, I'd like a little more uh, personal memorabilia. Like uh, looking for another, for, I'm looking for an Alomar uh, baseball. Uh, maybe a little more football stuff. I had a Rydell Dallas Cowboys helmet that I bought in Quebec when I was a kid. And stupid me, I gave it to Gooby, of course. Uh, and they don't make, the Rydell doesn't do make the helmets anymore. So it was very rare, and he lost it, so he claims. I think he just shoved it up his ass and hit it. <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, I'm looking for a, a Rydell helmet, you know, a Dallas Cowboy Rydell helmet. Uh, just just a little personal stuff for me right now, and then we'll see where the collection goes from there. Nice. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Like this this baseball bat thing. If if I can if I can find a way to do it where it doesn't cost me seven hundred dollars, I might be interested. Excuse me, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know I, my goal right now is to is to really appreciate what I have because I've been going through it and I've been selling things and putting things away, even donating some things at some point. But um, my goal is to uh, just appreciate what I have and then keep it pretty lean and then see where I want the evolution to go. Because my biggest fear is that I get a half-ass something, and then I got like half a collection of something that I'm not even that passionate about, and I can't like get rid of it. So, no, that's fair. Actually, yeah. I got a, I got a question for you. Shoot, what is um what is your favorite piece of memorabilia? Damn, how you gotta do me like that, Gina? Um, I you know to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I always th- like I asked my wife the other day like. We, we, we were asking like um, these is this a list on the internet where it's like 20 questions you should know about your significant other and I, <laughs> and you know I, I thought I probably got like 17 or 20 but one of the things was like what is your what is that person's most prized possession and I thought she would have said this this Roy holiday bobblehead that I told you about it's like 600 bucks even though I guess I have a bat worth 700 dollars mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite one because it's so rare um, so so I said, like, yeah, probably that. She's like, oh. She's like, I, 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 th- I would have thought for sure it'd be your phone or your iPad. And I really had to think about it for a little while because I like my phone is like, um, it's always on me. I love it. Like, like everybody else in the world, my iPad, it is like my, my really. Is, I, I, now that I hear my wife say it, it might be my most valuable possession because I'm always on it. I use it for everything. Um, so, but I was like blown away that my wife was like. Yeah, you're right. Because it's in my head, I've been like probably the Roy Halliday bobblehead, maybe the Vladdy bat. Um, you know, I have some like some other like little trinkets when I was a kid. Like maybe those would be it. But um, yeah, like I I was I don't know. I, I to answer your question because I, I went off again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have I'd have to say um, yeah. Other than the 2019. Canadian Podcast Award for Most Ascending Adult Series 2019 award. Yeah, if it wasn't for that, then then probably that Roy Halliday bobble. I'd probably say is probably my most valuable piece. Okay, I respect Talk, man. You really, you really. I don't know. It kind of blew my mind right now. Like, I, I also have like this Beatles signed photo. So I don't know. Yeah, I. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I was going to say next. <laughs> I was going to say next if uh, you're on a on a cliff and it was between your iPad and your Roy Holiday is bobblehead, right? Yeah, yeah. Which one are you saving? Two hundred percent the bobblehead. All my shit's up in the Apple Cloud. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm gonna be fine. Fucking grabbing that bobblehead for sure. All right, good answer. You know, you know and you know, I, like I feel weird too, but like collecting bobbleheads. I would have never thought I'd be into it. It's this weird thing for me. Like, it's almost like a guilty pleasure. I don't even tell a lot of people about that. Like, I, I guess I just told our audience. You did. But, like, the fives and tens and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't advertise it, I guess. Like, I, I don't have it, a lot of it on my social media. It's very minimal. Um, I don't, it's not something I'm necessarily, like, superly, super proud of compared to, like, my sign baseballs or whatever, like I'm, it's actually like, like more of a guilty pleasure for me than it is like a point of pride. Oh my God. I'm having a revelation. Either I'm too high or you dug something out of me, my man. I'm getting some goosebumps over here, man. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think I don't, what, what, what would be your most, what would be your like house on fire? First thing you grab. That's oof, that's a mind blow right there. Uh, it's, a, it's probably Joe Carter. I was thinking that too. I was thinking probably Carter Ryan. Like a probably like the most valued, valuable thing, and then most sentimental value. I mean, that's a pretty tough tough nut to crack afterwards. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely nutting on that Joe Carter. So yeah, that's <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> How many jerseys do you do you own? Ooh, I'm, I'm so glad you just touched base on this. Uh, I have a lot of jerseys. I'm going to – I mean, I don't want to go to my closet right now, but I'm going to have to go with 25. I, I'm pretty sure at the top of my head I have 25 jerseys. Um, that's that's pretty wild. And what would you say, mostly football? No, no. It's a, a mainly not, – not mainly. Mostly basketball. Um I have, uh, I do have some football. Um, I have one hockey jersey, but I'm looking to, to get more, to get more. I'm trying to be more diverse in a lot of different sports. Uh, I got baseball, of course. I got Vladdy Jr. I have Mr. B, no, not Biggio, sorry. Um, Bichette on the way. Nice. Uh, powder blue. Uh, I've got Edwin Carnacion, and I was heartbroken that he did not re-sign because what I used to do every time I'd hit a home run is do the parrot. No. Oh, yeah, buddy. And the fact that he didn't re-sign for, what was it, $5 million difference or three or something like that. Yeah, one less year and like, yeah, yeah. I was heartbroken and I was enraged, actually, which makes, and there's there's part of the reason why I wasn't a big fan of Ross Atkins, but that's another story for another day. Yeah. uh, yeah, I got a blank blue, uh, Blue Jays. I got uh, Big Poppy, and it was bought in Boston by an ex-girlfriend of mine. Uh, I got Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge. Um, yeah, I got, but uh, basketball yeah, takes the cake. Uh, yeah, it's mainly the mainly basketball. I got uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, the North, the white one from last yeah. year with you know, yeah. the gold trim. Yeah, yeah, the Chevron. Yeah, that one's probably my favorite uh, out of the bunch. I, you know, I love basketball jerseys, but I just feel so weird. Like I feel fr- it's gonna sound ridiculous. I say, I feel frumpy when I wear them. I have two, <laughs> no, I have three basketball jerseys. You'll never guess who they are. It's too absurd. First is the ugly uh, Toronto Raptors black and purple jersey from the early two thousands. And it is uh, Andrea Bargnani, number seven. Uh, El Mago. Yep. yep. I didn't say they're going to be good. <laughs> um, my other one is I have two Carmelo Anthony jerseys. One, the powder blue and gold Nuggets one, oh, and then the though. and the the Knicks uh, blue jersey. The um, the so guilty guilty uh, um, conscious coming in right now. The Carmelo uh, Anthony Knicks jersey is a fake one that I bought off the internet, and it when it came in, I was like, it looks fine. I put it on, 
nah. The, this was made for like little toothpick arms, not my Hulk Hogan 19-inch pythons over here. Uh, it was uh, it was all wax, so I don't wear that one too often. I'm actually trying to wear it at a point where um, I'm trying to I was trying to wear it while I was like painting or doing home renos and hope to get damaged and then I could get rid of it because yeah. I couldn't just like get rid of it because there's something in me that wouldn't let me do that. And then the other the Nuggets one, my brother got me. I wanted the white one. He got me the blue one, and uh, it's all right. It's still, I, I have had it for like I don't know ten years, and I'll, I'll probably have it. I'll have it for a long time. But yeah, I'd yeah, like to wear basketball sucks. jerseys, but, but they just look too frumpy on me. Uh, I get it, but that one I would hold on to that one. That that's when he was at his peak and. Even though when he signed with, when he was traded to the Knicks, I feel like he still wasn't mellow of Denver. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, yeah. When he went to the, when he went to the um, when he went to New York, I really thought he was gonna have like his team and he could make something happen. But uh, it, that didn't happen. It wasn't even close. Just a mess. I'm hoping they can get his career back on track too. Well, being with the Blazers, or just in yeah, general, just in general. Well, he was hot coming out the gate uh, when they. Uh, when they signed him. Uh, so who knows that, you know what that team, I mean, this is a whole nother story, but that team, uh, Lillard and, um, CJ that I don't think they can co coexist. They're, they're too much alike. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Dame, Dame needs uh Dame dollar needs a, a big man who can just terrorize, who can run down the floor and just terrorize. So no matter if you have mellow on that team or Jesus himself, they're not going to win. <laughs> very nice um yeah I, I mean portland's always gonna be garbage but uh you're right like dame like he's like probably the most underrated player in the league because he plays in portland a hundred percent yeah um okay sorry where did oh yeah so those are the, those are the three basketball jerseys i own and uh i got a ton of baseball jerseys including that jackie robinson one that got gifted to me and Damn. like yeah, you know, it's it's a beautiful white Dodgers, beautiful. Um, I, ha I used to have a client, and she used to have the on Southern Ontario rights to Majestic Clothing. So all the sample stuff that would come in and all the pre-J stuff came in. Like when all that – she gets all that stuff first, and then she sells all those samples off, which is – that jersey came from like the – at the time, brand new, uh, Majestic, cool base jerseys or whatever. But um, – I'm real lucky. I'm real lucky when it comes to jerseys. My first jersey, Alomar and Doug Gilmore. Great combination jerseys. Um, got a Babe Ruth, New York Yankees. Um, got Jackie Baby Robinson. Bruce? Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> who is Babe who is Ruth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got a Babe My buddy got me one, and it was a gift. Like, it was like the – like. He had a buddy who worked at one of these stores or going out of business. He said he bought it for like pennies on the dollar and just thought that he knew that I was a Yankee at the time. I was a Yankees fan. Um, so he's like, I knew you'd like it. And I was like, all right, this is awesome. I think I've worn it once. But um, yeah, and I got a couple Leaf jerseys. Uh, couple, and then I got um, a, two different Blue Jay jerseys. I got the crispy white one and I got the uh, dark royal blue one. Uh, from which uh, which era? Oh, like current era. It was when it just came out. Okay. Yeah. Although, although the blue one, I, I don't know how these guys played in these jerseys because this is like a heavy nylon. Thank God they changed the jerseys up and they're a little bit easier to breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still I got, stylish, though. Still stylish. I won. I won, talking about jerseys. I won at a, a buddy's stag. I won a side signed Chris. Oh my God, man! This fucking edibles messing with me, dude. Uh, <laughs> I got signed Sydney Crosby Team Canada Golden Gold jersey. No way. Um, signed, yeah, I, was, I won that, a Dion Phaneuf jersey, and a Michael Jordan, like a frame, like a huge, like four by six foot frame uh, stat thing that I, I, I it was like the craziest, luckiest night of my life. Wow. And uh, yeah, I don't, so this, correct him, man. You know what? <laughs> I, I have this, like, you know, one of the secret, it's, it's a fucked up secret, but I believe it to be true. All right. You do good things, good things come back. That's it, man. I, you know, I, I, I think I always try to stay positive about it, but I, I always believe, like, you know, you put good things out there, good things will come back and find you. So that's what I'm missing because I don't do anything good for anyone. You're a bad person, Melky. You're a bad, bad dog. Sit, bad dog. 
right. My man, I think that's what we're going to call this podcast, Bad Dog. Um, <laughs> this, this, this podcast probably went a little bit longer than I, than I wanted to, but I'm glad we did it. Melky, you got anything to say to the 99 Nation? Uh, you know what? This is a lot of fun. Uh, anytime I can talk sports uh, with a fellow fanatic, uh, just basically makes me cream myself. So okay. it's been perfect. And for the rest of Nana Nation, Melk does a body good. So, ah, well done. <laughs> and you can catch Melky and the rest of the Mustard Guys the sixth of every month. That's the goal we're going to try to do. Uh, we got Tart Madness, bracket two, semifinals coming down. Quarterfinals. Quarterfinals coming down. Excuse my French. So I'm enjoying it. I hope everybody else is enjoying it. Melky, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, Thank you so much, man. Uh, We're just having a lot of fun with it. I'm glad you could be a part of it as well. Hey, hey man, anytime. You you just put out the bat signal, I'll be there. (laughs) Sounds good, bro. All right, man. Uh, Nana Nation, thank you. As always, hope you guys are being as safe as possible out there in the world. Happy Father's Day to the fathers listening to this. Uh, although I don't know when this is coming out, so they may not be relevant. <laughs> Happy July 1st. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Have a great night. Thanks, dude. You too. Cheers.